It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show. Coming up a little bit later on, we're going to be chatting to a couple of local potato growers uh, about the state of play with spuds this year. Uh, Niall Hatch is with us. This is cold snap on the way and you know how we love our feathered friends on Late Lunch. Niall joining us in a while to talk about that and the launch. Once again, we love it each year when it begins of the Garden Bird Survey. If you want to get in touch with us on the show today, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text gets us to late lunch uh, directly. And don't forget as well, we'll have our two on Tuesday coming up for you and uh, number four in our top five countdown. Louise, uh, board games. We're going to chat about board games for the next while. Uh, Had you a favourite board game or do you play board games today? Yes, Yes, my son has a love of them, so it's been revived in the house. And I've even learned how to play chess recently. Oh, I've good never knew how to play ch- chess in Did my whole you life. Not? No, ever. Drafts was my game. Oh, listen, when you mention drafts, I think of me granny, Monica Flynn. She loved drafts and she had a lovely box and she used to have them all wrapped up and packed away and they'd be taken out and the board would be unfolded and the drafts would come out. She was a dinger of a player too. Oh, God almighty, you couldn't beat Mon, that's for sure. Drafts was her big, big game, I have to say. And I saw that as a child growing up. Like yourself, a little bit later in life, <laughs> earlier than you actually, I came across chess as well and, and learned how to play it. But Drafts was the big one. Anything else? Any other board game you, you I, loved? I, as a child, I loved Bookaroo. <laughs> Love Bookaroo. Yeah. But would you call that a board game? Oh, yeah, that's not a board game, but it's a game. It's a Christmas game. No, no, no. Game. Hold, a board on. Game. Yeah, hold on okay, a minute board now. Games yeah, now, now, right. now, now, book you, Bookaroo. Uh, uh, went, went off course there. Yeah. Um, the one, I can't think of it. Um, well, I, well, I mentioned yeah, one that on, I love. Yeah. Ludo. Did you ever play Ludo? No, I don't like Ludo. Well, you know the game I I'm do, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ludo. Snakes and Ladders. Yeah. At a push. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it is a board game. Um, Monopoly. No? No, no. Go for it, broke. That's the one I was thinking of. Go you have for to, broke. You have to lose a million to win. Okay, go for love broke. That. I, I heard the name, but I actually never played it. Another one I love as well, I have to say, is Scrabble. Yeah, I like Scrabble. I love Scrabble. That's why I love Countdown, you see, so much. But mm-hmm. many, many board games. If you're listening to us today in Late Lunch Land... What's your favourite board game? Or we have only mentioned a few. There is there a board game we're missing that you love to play? Let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. But you see, my first guest on the show today, 
absolutely adores board games so much so that he's a member of a club that gather each week and they play board games Ishmael Marquez thank you for joining me on Late Lunch today Hi, hi! Thank you for having me. Not at all. <laughs> tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and the board games. How you came to the board games club? Oh, right. Um, so a little bit of backstory here. Um, so my friend uh, Greg and his partner Kim started a club back in August in 2022, and I uh, came on board roughly two or three months later. Um, but the idea behind it was just to kind of. Uh, create an alternative space where people can kind of connect and uh, just be themselves. And uh, now this is the time where we were coming out of uh, the, the lockdown and, and we were kind of eager to make connections again. Um, and we all share the common love for board games. Uh, so whether you're, you're new to board games or experienced gamer, uh, we just have all sorts of board games available to play. And tell me this, where do you gather to play these games and how many of you gather and what evening of the week do you gather? So we gather in Mother Hughes, the pub in Mother Hughes in Drogheda. It's every second Tuesday. Um, so we're actually meeting today and um, at 7 o'clock. Um, and it's every every other Tuesday where we meet. Um, yeah, that's... that's, uh, that's, that's and, and, and how many of you would there be? How many How many of you gather? Um, so we have uh, a lot of members on our group on Facebook, but roughly our um, uh, average numbers would have been like 10, 15 members. There are times where it, it's rainy and it's cold and some people just have other things to do. So it's understandable. Sometimes the number drops to nine or eight, uh, but roughly it, it, it's always like 15. And then we also do a special event where um, like Christmas specials or Halloween specials, and then the numbers go up. I mean, they go 20 members at times. And um, But since we meet on a Tuesday, I know some people can't make it as well, too. Um, so it's completely understandable. So what games do you play? Do you have a primary board game or do you play a number of board games? Um, we have a library that spans over 170 board games, uh, ranging from classics like Snakes and Ladder, Chess, Mousetrap, to very complex and fun games such as Settler, Catan, Horrify, Carcassonne, and others to mention. Um, we tend to kind of play according to um, the group, what, what we're feeling like. So if we have uh, a number, let's say eight, and we have a game that's for eight people, we'll just go for that. And we always buy new games and try new games um, available. But we do have our favourites as well, too. So we always come back to those ones. Um, I believe there are games, and I've never heard of these before, called Dune and Betrayal, which you love to play, but they take three hours to play. The, are you allowed to stay beyond closing time in Mother Hughes's? <laughs> they do take a little while to play. They're really fun, mind you, but um, they do take a while. Um, uh, they're, they're, depends on the campaign um, as well, too. Sometimes we just continue on from where we left it off. And uh, for, for example, one of the Halloween specials, we did the murder mystery. So we were trying to solve um, uh, a case and it was fantastic. Uh, we managed to solve it. But when we were on the second case, we just we couldn't. It was a bit tough. Um, so we just put on hold on that one. 
And Ishmael, for you, uh, obviously, you're not originally from Ireland. Where, where are you from and how do you come to be part of the... I know you mentioned you mentioned uh, that you met uh, Greg and Kim uh, and that's how it happened. But uh, where are you from and w- what does this mean to you, you know, being part of this games club? Has it been a help to you to uh, integrate into, uh, you know, the community? Oh, completely, completely. So I am Hispanic American. So I, I was born in South America, in Venezuela, but I grew up in the States. And I've been in Ireland for 10 years. Um, but in Drogheda, I've been three to four years. Um, and two of those years were in lockdown. So I didn't know many people around the area at that time. And when the club, when the club opened, uh, it was a great way to socialize and meet other people who are are like-minded as well too so uh, in my personal experience it helped me a lot to get to know people around town and I know that for some members as well too the club helped them to overcome like social anxiety and the fear to meet other people and um, it's just been amazing I have to say it's been you know, just a positive energy and it's fantastic. You know, I, I'm familiar with Mothers from a football point of view. You know it's a great football pub and uh, when Drogheda United play, I, I go there sometimes after the games as well. But this is absolutely new on me, I have to say. I never knew you, you were there and uh, it's great to hear this. It, it really is and it's a different aspect uh, to pub life for sure. Um, what's your preferred game? What is your favourite game? Oh, that's a tough one to go Um Let's see. I, I, I do like Exploding Kittens. Uh, the name sounds funny, but it's, it's a really, really fun game. It's an actually family-friendly game. Um, and that's something that we always come back to all the time. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, for me it will be Exploding Kittens. <laughs> I never heard of exploding kittens in my life, to be honest with you. But I, I take it that if it, you like it and you're a games man, well, it must be good. Um, what about chess? Have you have you uh, really accomplished chess players in the club? We have actually. Um, I haven't played it personally. I, uh, I have to be honest. I don't think I'm really good at it, so I tend to just move away from it. But we did have members uh, coming in and they played it. So um, yeah, I, it wouldn't be my my cup of tea, but. Yeah, we we play all sorts of games there. Well, myself and Louise, you heard us chatting there uh, perhaps before you came on talking about the likes of drafts. You know, a very simple game. Do you play drafts? Um, I don't think I'm familiar with that one, I have to say. Well, we're well familiar with it. It was a very popular game here in Ireland. You'll have to check that out now with your colleagues tonight. Are you listening? You're going to ask around tonight to see the people remember drafts. It's a simple type of game, but an interesting type of game as well. Played on a similar board uh, to chess uh, uh, as well. But look, at there are any amount of board games, as you know. You mentioned, what, over 100 games it's possible to play if you wanted to uh, dip into them all. Uh, is your membership, I have questions coming in already. People are asking me, are you open for new members? Oh, completely. New uh, Newcomers are always welcome. Uh, and, and we also have a Facebook group where um, we, we just allow all members. Uh, the, the only thing, um, we just ask two or three questions just to be respectful uh, of others and, and no language and things like that. Um, but yeah, no, apart from that, everyone is welcome. Um, it's a very friendly environment. And we've had old people, social ages as well, too. Um, and yeah, yeah, everyone's welcome. At any given time. Oh, this evening, this very evening, Tuesday evening, what time does it begin? 8 o'clock, is it in Mother Hughes? 7 p.m. Okay, 7 o'clock, so an hour earlier. So 7 o'clock, Mother Hughes, and it's every second Tuesday? Every second Tuesday, that is correct, yeah. 
and if I, if I'm not accomplished or any games, but I'd like to learn some of the games, will you tutor me along? Oh, completely. That's that's the thing. Uh, we have people uh, who are really experienced and people who are not really experienced and they're new to the world of board games. So we have all sorts of board games and we the, the group is fantastic when it comes to that. Um, that if we have a new member and they haven't played any new games, they're more than welcome to just start off quite easily and start off with an easy game and then move on to the next one. Is there a name on your club? Um, it's called Board with Drogheda. I love it. I have to say, I've never. I'm from the town. I'm a native myself. I've never got bored. Really. You couldn't be bored with this place. There's always something going on, right? Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. But there you go. I love it. So, bored with Trahada is the name of the games club. The board games club meets in Mother Hughes at seven o'clock every second Tuesday, and they're on there tonight. And you're welcome to drop by and see what it's all about. Listen, thank you for joining me on the show today. Lovely to hear about you, and I wish you well. And you know what I'll have to do, please, God. I'm making that many promises, so there won't be enough time in the new year. But I will have to pop along some evening and meet you in the new year of a Tuesday and we'll have a crack with the others. Is that okay? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, looking forward to it. Ishmael, thank you so much for joining me on the show. That's Ishmael Marquez there. And the board of Drada is the name of the club. There you go. They're great people. Anyway, thank you for getting in touch with me. You're telling me about the board games that you love. Come on, let us know. What's your favourite board game? Do you still play them? There's an offer for you to go along to that club if you want at any stage. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. We'll be back in a minute and we'll let you know what's going down in the board game world today. Board games. I love Cluedo, Jerry, says Mina Curran and Kel. Did you ever play Cluedo, Louise? I tried. I could never get the hang of it. It's sort of a murder mystery mm. thing, is it? Yeah. Um, there's another one the there. Candlestick in the kitchen. <laughs> there's another one from a Kel's listener who says, I play Ludo. Frustration. Did you ever hear frustration? Yes. Did you? Yeah, I did. I have that all the time. Snakes and ladders. <laughs> have with me anyway. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Snakes and ladders. Yes. Yeah. Connect four. Yes. Do you know? Is that the one that you have to get four and all That's a bit like your buckaroo yeah. thing, isn't it? Not it is. technically it is. a board game. Yes, it is. Uh, game of life. Game of life. Love that. I am not familiar yeah, with that. One. Little, little pegs in the car, and and at the end of it, you're a family. Oh, mm. I see. Matty and RD. Hi, Matty. Thanks for getting in touch. I'm with you on Scrabble. I love Scrabble, but I love Trivial Pursuit. Oh, yeah. That's a good game, um, isn't it? Yeah. Unfortunately, no one will play with me, says Matty, because I win too much. <laughs> that reminds me of our Ava. Uh, when you play Snakes and Ladders with Ava. Competitive. Oh, God, she has to win. I remember mm-hmm. when she was smaller, playing with Margaret one day, her aunt. And Margaret won, which was a fatal error. She just got the whole lot and up turned the whole lot and out the door. I remember that that day very famously. Absolutely. Hey, Jerry, I handcrafted this chess come drafts board in the men's shed in Dundalk. Unfortunately, we don't have a men's shed anymore with any machinery to do the likes of this. So Sean McArdle, Aww. look at Sean's board there. He sent us in a picture of it and all. Isn't it terrific? Uh, there's nothing like a board game to start a row, Jerry. Memories of playing snakes and lathers with my brother and sisters but when Santa brought the game of life that was a different story the end of Christmas day there it was anyway keep them coming to us your board games the board games you love 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text taking us up to two it's Mr Dermot Kennedy this must be a board game is it this song it's called Outnumbered I'm sure there's a board game called Outnumbered let's have a look 
Don't tell me this is all for nothing I can only tell you one thing On the nights you feel outnumbered Come on kids, let's all make Christmas cards And send them in to Jerry Kelly on the Late Lunch Show on LMFM Radio Thank you so much, Miss Ava Flynn. Yes, that's what we're looking for, aren't we, Louise? We're looking Mm. for children. She just said it perfectly. She said it spot on, didn't she? Mm. Yes, we're looking for children out there to make us a Christmas card and send it in to us here on LMFM Radio. And you've coined the name... Kids Cards for Kelly. <laughs> I like it. On the air live yesterday, she just trotted out that and we like the ring of it, for, of course. Let me tell you that Chew City have given us a €250 Euro voucher and we also have three toy store vouchers. So we're going to have three prizes for this. The Chew City voucher and a toy store gift card and two other toy store gift cards to give away. So what we're going to do, Louise, it's not a competition. Nope. It really isn't a competition. We're just looking for children to make Christmas cards and send them in. The showcase of it is. It's a showcase of children's artwork Mm -hmm. in Christmas cards across the northeast and beyond. If you're beyond as well, send them in to us. We'll put them on display here in LMFM. We have a lovely big foyer here. We'll put them all on display. We're going to push them out across social media. We're going to make everybody happy with them. We are. That's the idea. That children will make everybody happy this Christmas. Make sure when you make the card. Do whatever they like with the card. Don't have to be Picassos or Van Goghs or anything like that. Whatever they do, it's great. And just make sure you put the name, age, where you're from, where the child is from, and the contact number on the card somewhere and get them into us here. You can drop them into the station. You can drop them in the post box outside if we're not here during office hours. The reception is open Monday to Friday, 9 to 4. Monday to Friday, not weekends, 9 to 4. Or you can post them in if you wish as well. And we'll hopefully start receiving them mm-hmm. in the next number of days. And we let you know as they come in. Really excited to see in. the first one uh, coming we, in. We are indeed. We have the children. Uh, Louise Cormac and uh, my crew have made cards for us already. And uh, they're there. So come on, let's be having your cards. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're looking after children, if you're in school, Montessori's or whatever... Get making Christmas cards and get them into LMFM this year and we'll draw at random. That's it. Yep. We're going to draw at random. We're going to put everybody's in and we'll draw for those three prizes at random nearer to the Christmas time. So come on, get those cards coming. You know, get working on them this week and into the weekend as well. Looking forward to receiving them. Now, uh, news yesterday. Well, it's sort of news. It didn't make headline news, but there's talk about there being a shortage of potatoes. Never a shortage of buns. I'll go bananas. No, it couldn't be, could it? Anyway, we're going to talk to two potato growers from the northeast uh, for the next while. Maria Flynn from Ballymackenny Farm is on the line, and Ivan Curran, who produces loads of spuds in Stimullen, is with us too. Thank you both for joining me on the show. Hi, Jerry. How are you? We're well, really good. Thanks, Ivan. Start with yourself, Maria. Um, the wet weather has eased, thank God, uh, in recent days. But my God, had we rained before that. What has it meant to you and, and harvesting your crops? Well, first of all, let's not panic. I don't think we'll have a shortage of potatoes. So um, that's the good news. But yeah, there's been a huge impact on potato harvests across across Ireland and across Europe, Jerry. It, it's not It's not just Ireland. And, um, yeah, look, it's it's quite dramatic for farmers at the moment to try and get their potatoes out. A lot of hard work uh, going into it. And the, the problem really started last spring. I think Ivan would agree um, we were late planting our potatoes mm. because of wet weather. 
So uh, I, I know for David and I, we couldn't get into plant until the end of May, mm. you know, and you would like to have your potatoes in end of April. So you're four or five weeks on the back foot to start with. Um, throughout the growing season, we we knew we were going to be down on yields because we got dry. We got drought in May and June when mm. we needed some moisture for yeah. yields. Mm. And uh, so, you know, you would expect 10 to 15 percent uh, drop back in your yields. But, you know, you can cope. You can cope with that. Um, it then turned out to be a very blighty year. So it's just the expense of that, you know, of, of treating the crops for blight every week. And to top it all off, coming close to harvesting, it, the ground was wet. It rained and it rained quite a bit. The ground was wet, but a lot of the potato farmers have machinery to cope with that. But I think that deluge we got a few weeks ago, whatever the storm was called, I can't remember, um, it compounded the problem greatly. Okay. And um, even the potato farmers. So Ivan would have a different um, buyer. Than, so Ivan would produce for supermarkets, yes. whereas you know what we do. You know, we're, we're yeah. chefs, hospitality and, and small shops. Mm. We have We have different markets to cover. We would plant different amount of acres for sure. And that's why I wanted to get a balance on the air with you, you know, for it, it doesn't matter how many acres of, of potatoes you're growing, everybody's in the same boat and Ivan would probably be able to tell you, even the machines, that the self-propelled harvesters, which farmers have invested heavily in um, sometimes can't cope at the moment with, with getting the crops out so there will definitely be I think, I, I was talking to Michael Hoy from Country Crest yesterday doing a bit of research and 30 to 40% of the national crop is still in the ground so, yes, we don't have the um, amount of potatoes we generally have, but I don't think we're at the point where people aren't going to be able to go into a shop and buy potatoes, you okay. know. OK, that's that's an important point to make. You have cares, pinks, roosters, and, of course, your heritage potatoes yeah. as well. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So you, you have plenty of supplies of them, just to let people know, at Ballamacenny Farm. Yeah, we, we, we're yeah. hand-digging. Yeah. So... Um, we, you know, we, we, we will have them. We, we have to have them. You know, this actually happened to David and I last year. Mm. We couldn't get into harvest with it with the harvester. So um, it's not yeah. what you want to be doing, but it can be done. OK, let's talk to Ivan Curran. It's to Mullen. Uh, 11,000 tonnes of potatoes in, in a decent year you'd produce, Ivan. What's the story with you? Uh, similar to Marina, we, we, look at, we were late planting. Uh, so once you're late planting, you're going to be late harvesting. And rooster, which we're really talking about, is the mainstay for most Irish people buying in done stores or your supermarkets, whatever. Mm. They were going to be late harvested anyway. And then with the weather conditions on top of that, it's it's like it's I never witnessed anything like it harvesting, like getting stuck and having to get diggers in to dig your harvester out to get them out of the field. Um, but it was. The worst year I ever seen uh, in dig- in digging potatoes, anyway, Jerry. Mm, and and you know I, I know I look I I'm a, an amateur gardener gardener myself yeah. and I grow the uh, a little few at home my tunnel and greenhouse yeah. and pots and everything. I understand they're a hard they're a difficult crop anyway because you're you know as Maria mentioned there you need the weather to run right for you you have the blight issue as well and then this to compound it on top of it is it get, do you believe this is the worst year you've seen? Uh, one of the worst, I'd say, 2012 was very bad as well, but probably not just as bad. wasn't as wet for as long, if you understand me. Mm. Uh, but uh, this year was wet from planting right through to harvesting, whereas in 12 it was grand for planting, but it was very wet for harvesting. But it's just the uh, deluges of rain, and it was just so 
so heavy rainfalls and going on for so long. Everyone was hoping for to get two weeks of a break somewhere that you'd get going, but it never happened. Mm. And and for you, have you much left in the ground? Well, I have about ten percent of my potatoes still in the ground, and and we're digging. But like. If you could dig 120 ton a day, we're probably digging about 25 ton a day now. That's how slow we're going compared to what you could dig. You know, you're back yeah. to 20%, 25% of what you should be able to dig, you know. Mm. And there is fields you can't even get in to dig. Yeah, that really puts yeah. it in perspective. And tell us, when you dig them, do you store them? Or, or what's yeah. the story? You store, do you? Yeah. Yeah, I store, yeah. And I, well, I sell direct as well. Yeah. Most of the potatoes would go to some stores, like uh, to supermarkets. Yes. But I would store right through till next July mm. uh, in refrigerated store, stores. And I do a lot of Christmas stuff. 60% of my potatoes would be for potato as well. But yeah. Not only yeah. not, not, not only that, but um, just probably 25% of my stuff in store is bad potatoes and, and clay and muck on them from harvesting in such severe conditions, you know. Yeah. So, although there's a lot of potatoes we dug, what's dug, there's probably maybe up to 10% of potatoes left in the fields. Mm. In wet places, low lines, places where water lies, the spuds rot, there's there's probably a lot of stuff left behind us as well as not dug, if you understand me, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I know what you're saying. You only have to look at the land driving by and you'll, yeah. you'll, yeah. you'll see what the story is. You know when you store them, do you have to keep an yeah. eye out for rogues in there? Because if you get one rogue, you can put a lot of them astray and off and soft. and. Oh, oh yeah, you have to dry them when they get into store and you blow them to dry them out as best you can. And the drier you get them, even if there's an odd soft one on it, it'll dry it up. Right. But at the minute they're that mucky gun in, it's nearly impossible to dry them, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and if you have a few rots, it's like anything else, they'll spread, you know? Yeah, I was just thinking that myself, because it's a divot, you only get one. So you buy a bag of spuds yourself, and if there's one odd fillet in it, you can destroy, yeah. you know, going down through the spuds, and then you find them. It must be a, a desperate on a bigger scale for yourselves. So anyway, look, as Maria said there, you, 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 yeah. you'll, there'll still be spuds, there'll be plenty of spuds for everyone. There'll be spuds there. There'll be scared. Look, you mightn't get the exact spud you want. I would imagine rooster will probably get scarce. Get next April, May time, rooster. I'd imagine will get scarce because there's a lot on the ground, and I'd, I'd say the lot of them won't be dug. But there will be potatoes there, but there won't be. They'll be probably a bit more expensive than normal because of the harvesting costs and that. And um, but they might meet the exact varieties you want either. Maybe you know, yeah. but um, they won't be. Plentiful, but they will be there. It'll be got all right yet. You'll get them okay. Now, I'm jumping the gun a bit here, but I'm not really. Yeah. You, you both will know what I'm talking about. You have to look yeah. ahead to next year already and seed yeah. potato. How how will you be mm. fixed for seed? Seed is going to be very tight anyway because there's less seed growers anyway, and there's a problem with the seed industry apart from the weather. But I know rooster seed, uh, I was talking to the rooster seed, they're 50% back in last year, 50% less rooster seed than last year available for certification. But I would imagine if you have good seed, you can get it tested like and keep it yourself, rooster seed, and keep it for next year yourself. So you can, if you have good rooster, you can possibly take some of that next year for yourself and plant it again. Yes, yes. So, yeah, Maria, yeah. to you, what about you and seed and looking to next year? Do you keep your own? Um, uh, it's a little bit different for us. We um, The Brexit has really messed up my little business. Um, yeah. we, we got out of doing what Ivan is doing, as you know, growing for the supermarkets and switched to the chefs with the heritage range. But Brexit has affected that for us. We can no longer buy seed potatoes in from the UK. 
So I have to go Europe-wide and find some lovely varieties now. Um, my bigger question was, you know, I, I very nearly didn't plant at all. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Back in the spring, because we've got such a do and we're trying to harvest last year. Because year on year, the the, the, the weather is getting wetter. I think I would agree, okay, this, this um, is the worst and the deluges we've had. But over the last five or six years, the harvests have become wetter over a period of time. So it has been getting more difficult. And the, the, the investment potato farmers have made into their machinery to get uh, potatoes. Like the, the self-propelled harvesters, to, a two-row is 600,000, Jerry. So that's the kind of money I'm talking about that mm. these um, farmers have invested. So I really wish them... All the very best, but you know everyone's problems are their own problem. Your, your scale might be different, but the problems are the same. Um, so we did plant, but because we decided to plant uh, late, uh, well, we were ready to plant in April. We didn't get to plant in May, but because we made the decision late, I didn't plant as much as I normally would. And you know what? I'm kind of glad because of the kind of year it's been. Mm. Um, so we'll get through this as best we can. We have fantastic customers, I have to say. It's just phenomenal. Everything we do get out, we can sell, and we're grateful for that. Um, but we're making a few changes at our farm. We'll talk about that another time okay. and preparing ourselves as best we can. But we're definitely going to go again. I have to go to other European countries to get my seed. But, you know, change is as good as the rest. They say mm-hmm. I'll find some lovely varieties to bring in and grow. And we just have to stay positive, stay really positive, keep on trucking and um, things things will come right. We, we have to have potatoes. Yeah. We have to have farmers growing potatoes. We have to adjust. But, um, you know, a little bit of understanding goes a long way. I see it with customers at my spud shack. I had a lovely lady last Saturday and she said, now you have the main gold for Christmas. I said, I hope to have. 
but that particular variety is still in the ground. So, mm. you know, if we do get a bad frost like happened to me last December, you can lose whatever's in the ground. Yes. And um, she said, oh, well, why can't you get them out of the ground? And I said, well, it's just too wet, you know. And then she said, so when will you get them out? And I, I thought to myself, you know, people... I know about it because I'm in it. And you forget sometimes that people just don't understand No, I know that. Yeah. The process. People don't you get know? it. Yeah, yeah, that's They for just sure. don't get it. And I really, when Louise rang there, I really wanted to, you know, a bit of patience, a bit of understanding. Um, there's a lot of long hours going in um, to with these guys to get these potatoes out. My heart breaks for ourselves and for all of the potato farmers and all of the vegetable farmers, to be honest. Mm. And it's not a case of grinning. We're not. We're getting on with it, but it is tough. Yeah, that's for sure. Anyway, look, uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Uh, I couldn't uh, exist in this world without a spud on me plate, I have to say. Anyway, Spud Shack open, Ballymckenny Farm. Ivan supplying, done stores, Tato and more besides. Uh, yeah. I wish you well. I hope the weather plays ball with you and we look forward to a better year in 2024. But for Absolutely. the moment, Ivan Curran in Stumullen and in Ballymckenny, of course, Maria Flynn. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks, Thanks, Jerry. Jerry. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. That's uh, two of our local spud producers in Louth and Mead talking about the state of play in the ground at the moment. Back in a moment here with your two on Tuesday. Delighted to say hello to my next guest on the show today. It's been a while. Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland. Welcome back to Late Lunch. Niall, the weather is due to dip back temperature wise over the next few days. What can we do to help our feathered friends? What's your recommendations? Absolutely, well, yeah, the weather is certainly starting to bite and, and people will notice, I'm sure, over the coming days and weeks, more and more birds flocking into their gardens. They're there for a few central reasons, but the most the most important of all is food. They're, they're, as the temperatures drop, it's much harder for the insect-eating birds in particular to find enough food. Um, so one of the best things you can do is provide some of that food for them. Um, it doesn't have to be insects, so you can't get dried mealworms that work very well. But seeds, as things like sunflower seeds, um, other mixed seeds, niger seed, very small, like, seed that looks a bit like pistol seed. The small thing just peanuts work very well. Uh, suet. So that's one thing you can do there. But don't forget the water as well. That's just as important. Especially if we go below freezing, the, the birds have much harder time finding water to drink and to bathe in. So that's that's my, my tips for the, for the coming weeks at least. So Niall, you're better having a bird table with feeders on it that as well to do what you're talking about there. And if you start now, Niall, do you need to be consistent with this and continue right through the winter and the spring months? Ideally so, yes. It's, you know, the, the, the birds, even, even in, in pretty cold conditions, the birds are still only using the food that's at your bird table and your bird feeders for, for part of their diet. But then when, when the cold weather really hits and we have a big, big freeze, the birds will remember where that, that reliable food supply was. So they'll think, OK, well, at least all the other food is gone. I can go there now and I'll be safe. And if that rug is pulled from underneath them, that can, can cause them problems. Um, but you know, in normal conditions, obviously, if you're away for a week or whatever, it is not it's not a, not a huge problem. Um, but try to be consistent with it. Try try keep the food topped up and put fresh water out each day. Changing the water regularly is important because um, disease can spread. Um, uh, there's a, a disease called trichomoniasis, which just hits some of our finches very badly. Nothing we humans have to worry about. Where it's, it's completely harmless to us. We can't contract it, but some of the birds can, and it's spread by contaminated water. So do keep an eye out for that. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the, the thing, of course, as well, is once you're feeding the birds, um, it's, it's a lovely thing to continue anyway, because especially um, especially over the Christmas when, when kids are at home and, and all that, watching these birds, it's better than any television program, as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. Um, it's just great, great entertainment watching them coming and going and all their squabbles and get to see their beautiful feathers up close. And once they learn there's a reliable source of food there, um, they'll keep coming back, so you're guaranteed good views. 
I couldn't agree with you more. It is far better than anything you might watch on a screen. That is for certain. Remind us about the bread again. A lot of people, you know, put out bread uh, for birds and that as well. You've advised us on that before. We need to be a little bit careful there, do we? We do, yes, absolutely. So as, as, in a short-term stopgap, it's not the worst. It, it, it's okay, especially if we had, if we had sudden, if we had very, very severe freezing or stormy conditions. A little bit of bread is all right. But long-term, it's not a good source of food for birds. It's high in carbohydrates, all right, but it's lacking in protein. It's lacking in, in essential vitamins and minerals. Um, so it's, it's, it's really kind of like a junk food diet for them, and it doesn't do them much good in the long run. Um, if you are putting out bread for them, rather than using white sliced pan, I find that leftover um, whole meal, even better, whole grain bread, Works work, mm. works better, but best of all, actually, especially over the Christmas, uh, leftover stale cake works even better. Cake is actually a better source of food for the birds. It's much higher in uh, in fats and sugars. Um, Christmas cake and Christmas pudding, of course, have dried fruit in them as well. All these are great for birds. They need the calories. They need the nutrition. It's much better than white bread alone. But just a word of warning with the Christmas cake and with the Christmas pudding. If you have dogs around or if there are foxes coming to your garden, um, I'd avoid that because although raisins are fine for us and fine for birds, they're very toxic to dogs. So um, you have to make sure that they're not going to be able to eat any of them. And the thing to say, if you put the Niger seed out and, and other such foods, it does attract these species that you might normally see in your garden. Somehow they get the message and find it, Niall. They are amazingly resourceful. They're very good at finding this. And yes, I think I think the message does spread somehow by some unknown means in their in their flocks. And what happened? This this food, this Niger seed, it's been very interesting. When we started selling it in the our Birdwatch Ireland shop, and most of our business is online. And, and what happens is, you know, in the first few years, people didn't know what this was, and then all of a sudden, the word started spreading that the goldfinches in particular liked it. And another bird called the siskin, already lovely little yellow and black finch, a bit of green on it. And um, and, and then people realised this, this is a great source of food, and now it's one of our best sellers. And we can't keep it in stock. Sometimes it just flies off the shelves um, because it these these, these small finches, um, the particular goldfinch, they absolutely love it. And the goldfinch is such a beautiful bird. It's, it's one that animal would want to attract into their garden. And nitro seed is a very very good way to do that. Now, the uh, Garden Bird Survey launches, doesn't the new one next Monday? Actually, just 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 uh, just yesterday, actually. Started, oh, it's has launched. Okay, yeah, yeah. So just just kicked off now. So it's running. It's running for the next thirteen weeks. Though. There's plenty of time for people to take part. Uh, it's the thirty fifth consecutive one we've done. Would you believe? So we have we have three and a half decades worth of data now, going, you know, from thousands of people all over Ireland, and that sort of information is absolutely invaluable for us to keep track of bird populations. And uh, you know, we, we, there's no way we could gather that data without the, the help of, of your listeners and with people all over all over the country. And uh, we get we get a great, particularly great response from. From, from your listeners each year. It seems to really go down a street with people. Uh, people really enjoy doing this. Hour. I think that's important to mention. You know, it's scientific and the data we get from it's very important, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, it even becomes quite addictive. Um, basically, what you, what you do over the course of, of uh, the next 13 weeks, we ask people to keep track of the different types of birds, different species that come into the garden each week, but also the highest number of each of those species they see at any one time. So you're counting, you look at your window and you see, well, there's, there's three blue tits there today. You look at the next day, well, there's only two blue tits. Now, the next day, there's none at all. Well, the highest you saw um, that week was the three that you had on the first day. So you write three into that box on the form and you start each species again fresh the following week. And you can do it on a paper form that you can print off our website or if you're a Birdwatch Ireland member, you will have received the form with your, your most recent issue of our Wings magazine that we post out. But also you can fill it in on, uh, online on the website too. There's all sorts of ways. Whatever way you want to get your data to us, we'll be happy to take it. Oh, yes. Let's do this again, folks. As uh, Niall said there, you've been fantastic. And it is a lovely thing to do. Started yesterday, just to remind you, launched yesterday and will run for 13 weeks. I'm just looking at last year's top 10. I feel like top of the pops here, uh, Niall. (laughs) 
mentioning this. But the robin is still number one. Blackboard two, blue tit number three. Very common, obviously, in Irish gardens. Yes, and those three in particular have been very consistent over the last 35 years. Uh, so uh, the robin almost always tops tops the table of being present in, in, in the greatest number of gardens. It's always it's always well over the 99%, almost the 100%. Um, and then the, the blackbird and, and the blue tit are usually sort of jockeying for second and third position. Mm. And that happens. Um, but um, what, what we find as well is that um, although the, the robin is the most, uh, it's the present in the most gardens, that doesn't mean it's the most numerous bird because when you have a robin, you usually only have one in a garden in the winter. Mm. They're very territorial. They don't like company. Whereas not, not such a high proportion of gardens would maybe have chaffinches or goldfinches, but those that do have them might have 15 or 20 of them because they gather together in flocks. So um, so it's interesting to think about the, the, the distribution of them and how abundant they are in garden, but also the kind of numbers that you're looking at too. Yeah. And over time, you can also track the, the effects of things like climate change. We can uh, track um, the arrival of new species like the great spotted woodpecker, which is creeping up the table year on year since it's colonised Ireland. Uh, without this, this amazing set of data from all 32 counties of Ireland, we wouldn't be able to do that. So it's really be all guesswork otherwise. So it's really, really valuable. I'm looking at the top ten and interestingly I have an urban garden and it's becoming more urban all the time as the north side of Drogheda grows Um, but of the ten the only one I haven't seen in my garden is actually the great tit I've seen the wren, the starling, goldfinch, house sparrow, chaffinch, magpie, blue tit, blackbird and robin but not the great tit uh, Niall well, that's that's not bad going at all. That's certainly a very good, uh, very good list of yeah, birds. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, only a matter of time. I think. I think you know, the, it, 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 it's a, it's a it's a pretty common garden bird. So they're on the move. And normally, if if a, if a garden is suitable for blue tits, um, usually the great tits aren't too far behind. They like similar kind of habitat, similar kind of food. And mm. um, so, um, certainly persevere with it, and hopefully, you'll hopefully you'll you'll have uh, you'll have some of those um, coming into you soon. And um, certainly, a lovely bird to to, to keep keep watch out for. It's a, it's a really colourful bird. It has a nice splash of colour to any garden. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hopefully I will make that a complete top 10 shortly. Just before you go, murmurations. The, you can, uh, if you have murmurations in your area, you're looking for info on those as well. Starling murmurations. Yes, that's right. So um, the starling murmuration, it's one of the most beautiful sights in all of nature. Uh, so the starling on its own, it's a fairly unassuming little glossy black bird with iridescence and it has a few white spots. Quite pretty when you see it up close, but often people don't get a good view of them and just dismiss them as small little birds. But in the winter, what happens is we get flocks of thousands, even hundreds of thousands, gathering together. And then shortly before sunset, they start performing what I can only describe as an aerial ballet, this sort of like this amazingly almost choreographed mm. display in the sky where they, they stop behaving like single individuals and behave like one collective organism. Nobody seems to be in charge, but the flock knows where to go. It twists and turns in the sky. Now, um, if we went back a couple of generations, I, I wouldn't have to explain that to anybody. Every single person in Ireland would be intimately familiar with starling yes. murmurations. It would have been such a common sight. But although the, the starling remains a numerous bird, its numbers have fallen massively, and these murmurations are nowhere near as, as prevalent or as striking as they used to be. So um, we realise there's a data gap there. We need to do more to find out where these birds are and how they're behaving and how that's changing year on year. So we've launched our Irish Starling Murmuration Survey and we're asking people to, if they see these, these flocks of starlings um, anywhere anywhere at all in Ireland, to please log them for us, give us the, give us the location. And um, to keep doing that, if you happen to see the same one in the same, mm. the same location a few weeks later, give us the information again so we know it's persisted in that area. It's, it's really, really useful. Um, this, this is only a new survey. We haven't been doing it very long, so we haven't got a huge amount of data yet. But we're hopeful if we run this for long enough, we'll have a very good picture then of the, the fortunes of starlings in Ireland. And then also we can share that information with people too. We'll put it out on our social media. 
um, because we we know that um, you know that it's one of the most beautiful sites in nature. Yes. And there's a lot of people out there who really everyone should try see it at least once in their lifetime. Mm. If we can share that information, show you where you can watch these birds. I think people really will come to love them. It will indeed. And uh, Niall, as always, thank you so much for joining me on the show. My pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Take care of yourself. I am a member of Boardwatch Ireland. I recommend it to you. Join it too. It's a wonderful, wonderful resource. There's a large brown board in the rugby pitch in RD. My bedroom overlooks it, says a listener. Uh, I see it every morning. I wonder, is it a buzzard? Take a picture. Send it in to us and we'll sort it out for you. I promise you. Jerry, I think drafts may be known as checkers. In non-Irish countries, says Anne. I'll come back to your board games. We're talking about them. We are talking about them on the show today. I'll come back to that after three. Um, you still have time. You do still have time, but it is your last chance to vote for what? Mead's favourite retailer. And the nominees are Bird Centre at Boy, A&M Newsagents Kell, Smith's Supervalue Johnstown and Muttonhead Butchery in Slane. You can vote up until 7am tomorrow morning. How do you vote? Log on to countymeadchamber.ie and make your selection. And Chris on The Breakfast Show will announce the winner tomorrow around 8.45am. So get voting as soon as you can. Just one more thing to mention. Uh, The proposed Mornington Dunes Conservation and Restoration Project. Well, this Saturday at Skull Railt Namara in Mornington, you can go along there between 10 and 4 o'clock If you have an interest in the dunes, the plan can be viewed as well at the Ecology Centre. That's ecologycentre.ie. But you can make your views known on Saturday at Rail Namara. Just walk in, no appointment necessary. Alternatively, you can make an online submission at consult.me.ie or by emailing A-S-T-E-R, the number four, info at gmail.com. That's A-S-T-E-R, the number four, info at gmail.com. That's the uh, Mornington Dunes Conservation and Restoration Project. You're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio coming up after three. Burke's banter and our top five countdown on the way then. But taking us to top of the hour at three, it's a classic Christmas number and good to hear he's out of hospital. The main man with the pogues, Shane McGowan. Here we go, it's the fairy tale. Christmas Eve, babe, in the drunk tank, an old man said to me, won't see another one, and then he sang a song, the rare old mountain tune, I turned my face away. We have a message in there from Angela that says, can you still be a child at 51? (laughs) No, Angela, no. You have to put your age on the Christmas card. (laughs) Even reversing it at 15 won't do either. Sorry, to be honest with you. You'd be disqualified. Uh, Yeah, I think you'd be disqualified. Anyway, uh, that's on the Christmas cards, uh, children's Christmas cards we're looking for. Um, 30 seconds. Did you ever hear that game, that board game? 30 seconds. never. Great fun, especially after a few drinks. <laughs> Friday night, Louise. Friday night. Me and you, Jerry. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Listen. End up in three hours. <laughs> Didn't I mention a song earlier that might be a board game? You checked that out, have you? Mm, it, is an, it is a board game. What's the name of it? Outnumbered was the song by Dermot Kennedy. And, and it, outnumbered. it is an improbable 
Heroes board game. There you go. That was only that was only chance of me arm with that there. Really, you never played it or anything? No, I didn't even know there was such there a game. Go. Anyway, that it sounded good. It sounded a good name for a board game. That's what what struck me anyway. And the manufacturer is called Genius Games, so it's obviously mm. got to do with maths. Obviously, obviously, you have to be intelligent to play it. Anyway, uh, and no drink on the menu. Uh, board games from the seventies and eighties says a listener Pathfinder. Opponents build mazes and figure out each other's maze. Oh, that sounds good. Mastermind, figure out a combination of five coloured pegs uh, created by the main player in the game. And another one, Jerry, Buccaneer, pirate ship treasure board game, Buccaneer. Yeah, that's another one. Another one uh, that Her somebody's plunk? familiar with. Is, that's a board game, isn't it? It is. Well, it's not board dish, it's playing the table. What was the one? <laughs> <laughs> I am I laugh as cry as my mother said. Um, what was the one you were saying you were looking at there? Chinese something. Chinese checkers. It's the one game that you get in a compendium. Right. And I've never figured out or I've never met anybody that knows how to play it. Oh, you said you please. I did. It. I did. I remember the little things like uh, little little tiny uh, figurines, you know, in green and red and yellow. Mm, you know yes. what I mean? It's like little little people. Yeah. Isn't it? Yes. Um, you it know is. what I mean so and you move them in some shape or form yes but there's no dice so there isn't there there is a dice is there a dice I think there's a dice with it. yeah I think there is a dice so what's, what's the like why do people like what is the outcome of it <laughs> what's the aim of the game do you have to move one triangle to the other side or do you can you remember what day of the week is it Louise is it Monday or Tuesday Tuesday oh that's no alright yeah you're asking me about something that's in my <laughs> Distant, distant memory. I haven't a hope. I couldn't remember. I'll have to research it later. I can't remember how to play it. But I do. When you showed me the picture and I saw the, the little things, I, I recalled it. And I recall playing it as well. But how I'd play it now, I wouldn't know. I'll have to drop down to those lads in yeah, the new definitely. year and see what the crack is with them. It's uh, interesting that they have a little club. Ishmael Marquez. You have to play Exploding Kittens. Yeah. <laughs> I know how to play that already. I don't want to know. I know that game, but it's not for radio in the afternoon. We'll pass on that one anyway. Hit that yoke there, will you? Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's the number four from this week in 1977. And it comes from ABBA. And I think around that time, to be honest with you, I often say this. If they sang Three Blind Mice and it had gone to number one in the charts, they were just so dominant with their music. But brilliant it is indeed. Anyway, the song today became a UK number one, topping the UK singles charts for four weeks. It's not number four in our countdown today. It was called A Bit of Myself. That was the name of the song. Do you remember the ABBA song A Bit of Myself? No, you couldn't because they didn't go with that name. They went with the name. The name of the game is the name of the song and it was worked into uh, the 1977 feature film which people flocked to see in the cinemas called ABBA the Movie. Yes, it's number four from 77 and it's ABBA.
ABBA, the name of the game, number four on our top five countdown from this week in 1977 on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Short break and we're back in a moment with Burke's Banter. In recent months, we have recast the role of our eldest child with a more mature actor. Similar to when Tracy Barlow went up to her room to play tapes in Coronation Street and emerged two years later a completely different person. Our lad went into his room to play Xbox TikTok last May and then emerged in September, two feet taller, with facial hair and an appetite that would have any academic studying the famine gene rushing to our door to examine him. As metamorphoses go, it was dramatic in its speed and also its financial implications. I cannot keep this child fed. I've heard of empty legs, but this child is completely hollow. We've passed the stage where I can throw him a pizza for his dinner, because that's where we are now, two dinners every evening. No, it's protein he has a grow for. Slabs of beef and flocks of chicken. All these servings are entered into an app on his phone, so we can track how much muscle mass he's putting on. Like innocent fools, we thought buying him a weightlifting set for his birthday seemed a great idea. Now we're only heading in either of two ways. He'll end up looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger by Christmas, or be the only 15-year-old in Ireland to suffer with gout. Oh, it's a brave new world for the Burks, and it's one that smells of fried steak and lynx deodorant. Did I ever think I would mourn the days of throwing on a few fish fingers, boiling up a handful of peas for appearance's sake, and job done? Thankfully, we live in the country, as I'm strongly thinking of robbing one of the cows in the next field, and looking up how to butcher at home on YouTube. If you see me trying to fit a new chest freezer into the back of the car, I'll thank you not to mention it. It could incriminate us all. Ah, look, sure, it's great to have healthy children, and I'll bless my face for that. But I can't help feeling a little hard done by with this new phase of family life. I'd always imagined that once the kids were of an age that we could leave them at home for a few hours, then we could leave them at home for a few hours. This tantalising hope of freedom somewhere in the distant future, consoled me during the long nights I walked the floors with two teething infants. But it was all a big lie, and I'm trying not to be too bitter about this. Having teenagers only means that they can leave the house, but you have to act as taxi driver. Junior discos, cinema, meeting up with the girlfriend if you don't mind, shopping for yet another grey tracksuit, and going for haircuts. Lots and lots of haircuts. It's just as labour intensive as having toddlers. But if you factor in the cost of three tonnes of beef and 48 skin fades every month, it's a lot more expensive. So here we are. The frying pan is now a natural extension of Mr Burke's hand. While the young fella does his bit to cut the national herd and I try to work some magic on Google Maps which will allow me to drop one child to a disco in Waterstown and the other one to one in RD on the same night at the same time. Future freedoms will come one day, I suppose, if I'm not locked up for stealing cattle. <laughs> and as she mentions cattle, 
Oh, she's like cow shy at the minute, never off the road with them. You know what I'm talking about when you have teenagers. And anyway, Sinead, I just want to say to you, I won't even go there for the next phase when they get into relationships and grandchildren arrive. We'll have to talk about that another day. Anyway, Burke's banner, isn't she? Simply brilliant. Thank you, Sinead. That brings the curtain down on late lunch for another afternoon. Uh, have a lovely evening, everybody. We're back at 1.30 tomorrow and Brian Farley is eager to go with the drive here on LMFM Radio. Stay with us. 